Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 298 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll get right into our conversation after a word from our sponsors. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Okay, y'all, just a heads up that Easter is early this year. So make sure to get everything you need to host for Sunday, March 31st. From pastel outfits for the whole family, to brunch-ready serveware, Macy's has got you covered. And you're never too old for an Easter basket. So Macy's also has Toys R Us Easter basket goodies, from books to stuffed animals and even slime. You can find it all in-store or online at Macy's.com. Be love with every heartbeat and every piece of Pandora jewelry. Let love shine on your favorite bracelets, necklaces, earrings, and rings. Or... Create a style that's all your own with a unique mix of lovingly crafted charms. From big feelings to small messages and everything in between, love is at the heart of it all. Be love. Shop Pandora Jewelry today. Find a store near you or shop online at Pandora.net. Hey, debit card users, listen up. Discover has something especially for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can start earning cash back on everyday debit card purchases. You heard that right. Cash back on debit purchases because cash back isn't just for credit cards. It's time you also get some love. Oh, and I should also mention that this has no fees, period. Finally, the game-changing checking account you deserve. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. When Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter declared, let it go, girl, let it out, girl, twirl that thing like you came up out the South, girl, church girls whipped their hips across the Eastern and Western hemispheres. With the homage to the Clark sisters embedded in the beats, many felt sanctified and seen all within the same breath. For many of us, it was a call for healing. But what happens when our church communities have been responsible for our harm and not our healing? To discuss this complex and sensitive topic, today I'm joined by Dr. Tama Bryant, a licensed psychologist, ordained minister, and the 2023 president of the American Psychological Association. She's an ordained elder at First AME Church in South Los Angeles, where she directs the mental health ministry, 
and she's also the host of the Homecoming Podcast, a mental health podcast to facilitate your journey home to your authentic self. In our conversation, we discuss why it's important for faith communities and psychological communities to align, how religious institutions can create more ethical standards to protect members from abuse, and how to navigate feelings of anger towards God after surviving abuse in the church. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session, or join us over in the sister circle to talk more in depth about the episode. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. Here's our conversation. It is such a pleasure to have you join us, Dr. Tame, and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, so so many things to talk about, but one of the things that our community really has a lot of energy around, rightfully so, right? I think given, you know, Black women yes. is church hurt. And I know you have talked about this extensively with former guests on the podcast, the Sisters from the Truth Table yes. podcast. Shout out to them. And so I'm thrilled to have you talk with us today about it. So can you start by just saying what is church hurt or church abuse? So church hurt or abuse is when we are emotionally and spiritually, sometimes physically, sexually, financially mistreated under the guise of it being a spiritual mandate or within the confines of the church. And unfortunately, many people have experienced it as a result of the church being an institution. And an institution is run by human beings and human beings who have at times misused their power, their authority, their opportunities as it relates to people's vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. And how might people recognize whether they have been a victim of church hurt? Because I think sometimes it's hard to tell. So how would someone know? So ultimately, if we think about church and relationship with God intentionally being based in love. Like what are the principles that this space is supposed to embody? And then how does it feel when you are in that place? How are you treated? And how do you feel when you leave? So it's not that there will never be disagreement, right? Church is like any other place where you have a group of people but you can think about times in your life where I might have thought differently or had a different perspective, but I didn't feel demeaned or disrespected or devalued that I felt safe to be myself. So when we are constantly feeling anxious, when we end up leaving feeling worse than when we came, when we feel silenced and that we are unacceptable, when statements are made that are derogatory, that are humiliating, that are abusive by those in power or those who are in the majority, when we feel like our connection to God is being mediated and determined by human beings who are pronouncing over us judgment, condemnation, rejection, then we can understand that to be a form of church hurt. When you feel that you are being manipulated, 
There can be verbal abuse in terms of the name calling. Sometimes there can be financial control or some people who aren't allowed to go places or do things until they run it by their pastor. So you're not being empowered to live your lives. It's one thing if you seek out pastoral counseling for support or for guidance, or it's motivated by you, that you have trust in this individual and you're interested in hearing their perspective versus when you are told you cannot decide or do anything with your life without their instruction. That's not an empowering or a liberating ministry. People have also misuse their power and authority as it relates to a sexual abuse and sexual harassment within the house of God. And so you want to perpetually ask yourself the question, does this feel like love, right? Because when you can think about if you had a teacher or a friend or a parent, whoever said something to you that may have been hard to hear, but you were clear they loved you, it feels different, right? And so are people operating from a place of compassion or does it feel more like a clique, a club, isolating, demoralizing? This is not an edifying house, an edifying place. It's more obligation and duty, but no fulfillment. Now, Dr. Tamer, you have said a lot and I am trying to figure out how to ask this question. Yeah. So the first thing that came up for me is I think for a lot of people who maybe have had abusive relationships, maybe with parents, with partners, it may be difficult to kind of discern, mm -hmm. is this right. actually healthy, right? And so what kind of suggestions or guidance might you be able to provide for people who may be struggling kind of being able to tell like, okay, is this okay or is it not? Right. And so we want to think about this phrase, if it is humiliating, it's not healing. If it's humiliating, it's not healing. So someone who is trying to help me to even to be better or to grow or to empower me in their presence, I don't feel like they are glorying in my embarrassment, right? They're not celebrating and holding their power over me, they may have power because I respect them and they're insightful and they have some wisdom. But in the presence, you think about wise counsel, wise loving counsel. When I'm in the presence of wisdom that is based in love, it actually sparks and inspires my growth versus if I'm in the presence of people who in order to feel good about themselves, they have to insult me or others. And it might not start with you. So you want to even pay attention to how are they treating others? Who is it that people are collectively laughing at and laughing about? Who gets diminished on the microphone in the pulpit, right? And so what does it appear is the emotional maturity of the people who are in charge, right? If they are teasing, bullying, if primarily I feel they're just angry all the time, then this is not likely good ground for my spiritual growth. 
The other thing that I thought about when you were talking was, I think culturally, for lots of different reasons, there can be like this tough love narrative, yeah. right? That that you sometimes also see kind of perpetuated from the pulpit. Yes. And so how do we begin to kind of divorce ourselves from this feeling of like, okay, to get people to change, mm-hmm. to get them to be better, it has to be a shaming. I'm always tough right. and rough on you. It is for us to be honest and reflect on ourselves Who are the people that you, at different stages of your life, became clear you needed to censor around, right? There are people who I feel free, and if something comes to my mind, I'm going to say it. If I am my authentic self in their presence, and then you think about the people who you know, I'm not going to tell them too much. I'm not going to share my business. I'm not going (laughs) to... engaging them on a deeper level. And so what has happened often is that people's treatment of us, as opposed to encouraging us to be transformed, what it usually encourages is secret keeping. So you think about, for example, teenagers who quote unquote, weren't allowed to date, right? And then they were out here dating somehow or sneaking and putting other clothes in your backpack and changing when you get to school. So it's not that people were transformed. It was that they learned to live in secrecy. So being harsh and mean spirited with people is not a requirement for truth telling. And many people have equated the two that I'm just going to tell it like it is, is my purpose in this moment to tear you down or to build you up. And if you pay attention, you'll notice that some people are stroking their ego by pointing out how flawed you are. And that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens in church spaces, mm-hmm. but also just in yes, other spaces of our that's lives, right. right? And I think that's such a beautiful thing to check in with yourself about, like, where have I learned to censor mm-hmm. and who in my life do I feel like I can't really right. be my authentic that's self? That's right. Because I think you can tell, right? Like, when you ask the question, immediately <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, yep, that's what it looks like. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So when we're honest with ourselves, I think we can have answers to those right. questions. Right. And it doesn't feel like hazing. Some ministries feel like you're online or like that you're pledging. I say this as, <laughs> as a soror, but it's right. like getting into God is not jumping through man-made hoops of worthiness. That God has declared, I am worthy, that I am enough, that I am sacred, that I am loved. And people have come along to create additional barriers to make themselves feel greater or more powerful than others. And I invite us even to think about who churches often bully or put down or demonize and what often goes unchecked. And they're claiming it's all under the gospel, right? So the easy example is if a girl gets pregnant and she is talked about and demoted and the boy or man who got her pregnant retains their position, right? I think around sexuality, that people can dedicate a bunch of sermons to talking about sexuality and have never once preached against molestation, have never once preached against intimate partner abuse, have never once preached against racism, 
So it's very selective, quote unquote, righteousness that when you take down the layers, you can see that it is very much out of people's own human brokenness. So if we have community members who are listening to what you're saying and they realize, oh, this may be my situation, we know that it can often be very difficult for people to leave church communities, right? Because for a lot of us, that is kind of where we've grown. Maybe family has grown up in the church community. So what might it look like to be able to kind of get ourselves out of these situations? So one consideration for people who are very invested in a place, maybe you've been there a long time, or maybe there are some things you enjoy about it, is to see, is this the kind of space and timing where there is the possibility of transformation and growth? And a part of what you can look at is, are they receptive to feedback, right? Some people are leading or pastoring or doing ministry the way they saw it, and they have never seen or known or been exposed to another way, right? Do you have the kind of relationship with people where you can make suggestions, right? If you're taking your child to a Sunday school class and something feels really off, is the Sunday school teacher someone who you feel like you could have like a real conversation with? And do they hear you? And do you see any growth or progress or attempts to shift as it relates to that, right? Now, if it feels like that's a whole lot of labor or the people are not open to change or maybe they're open to change if the right person told them, but they don't put you in that position, they're not willing to hear it from you, then to say, okay, I am ready to begin to think about making my shift. And I would encourage everyone who is listening to not overgeneralize. I think sometimes people get hurt in church and say, I'm done with the whole thing, where it's like with an AA meeting. You can go to one in New York and one in LA, one downtown, one uptown, and it's different because the people are different. And so to not deny yourself any community because of some communities that were toxic. It may be that you want to take like a season for a break because some people it was so distressing, devastating, overwhelming that some people are like, I'm just going to go online for a while or I'm just going to read the Bible for myself and do my own prayers. But I would just encourage not making that a forever statement. Like if you have an unhealthy relationship and then say, I'm never dating again. Well, you probably need to pause, right? You need a timeout because it was hurtful and you got your heart broken, but we don't want to say never, right, necessarily. And then going into new spaces, you have some new things to look for based on your experience. Some things you didn't know were red flags just because you had never made the connection. But now that you have seen it up close, there will be things you hear from the microphone or there'll be some dynamics that you can notice in a place and to be willing to visit and explore. Does this feel like home? Does it feel like, yes, people here are imperfect, but it on a foundational level feels like a loving environment or people who are trying to be loving, right? And to know not every place is a match for every person. So it can help to get recommendations from people, but then you will have to feel it out for yourself. And looking for the full picture 
I think sometimes when we have been wounded, we go in only looking for signs of danger and never looking for signs of hope or possibility. And they're likely both present. So we want to see what is the overarching feeling of this place. And it's going to be important, just as I was mentioning, not overgeneralizing to every place, to also not let my experience with broken people contaminate my idea of who God is to me, right? That sometimes we have said, I am done with God because of the things that quote unquote people of God have done, right? But they were acting out of their own stuff, out of their own issues, and weren't actually reflecting God. There's a powerful poem by a Native American poet called Letter to God. And he says, Dear God, I never heard of you before. I heard of Mother Earth and I heard of Father Sky, but I never heard of you. I was willing to give you a chance until I met your representatives. My Lord. Mm. Oh, it's painful. It's painful, right? It really is. And so, you know, some of these quote unquote representatives don't really represent God, right? They represent Mm. themselves and their own unhealed wounds. And so to rediscover or discover for the first time who actually is God to you that is not poisoned by the shortcomings of people. Hmm. That's so beautiful, Mm -hmm. Dr. Tama. Staying with that thought, I wonder if there are things that future ministers, current ministers, Mm -hmm. institutions of faith can be doing a better job of or reconsidering in terms of how to create ethical and safe spaces for people so that we minimize the likelihood that people are hurt and abused by being in church spaces. So one is checks and balances and some level of accountability. When you have people who don't have to answer to anyone, that creates an atmosphere that is very dangerous. When you have leadership that can't take feedback, we have this thing often in church culture where they're quick, I say we collectively, that we are quick to call people haters. And that is so problematic because it means no one can ever disagree with you. That they're either haters or they're against God. This whole touch not my anointed and don't talk about the man of God. And we have all of these silencing rules that it creates a breeding ground for abusive behavior. And so I would say for those who are in ministry or in school or training to become ministers to never allow yourself to get to that place one where you believe your thoughts are always one and the same with God, right? So no one can tell me anything because I am God's person and everybody else is not. I'm the only one who can hear from God. And then to be open to not going into defensiveness, not only defending ourselves, but often we are so defensive of people who are gifted. And I want you to know Someone can be gifted and anointed and still do harmful things, right? So sometimes when people have come forward and have said that this leader hurt me, 
then because the person is a great preacher, people don't believe them, right? So they say, no, not that person. That person is in the oil. That person is, you know, truly the ways of God. And what I hope we have learned from various fields is that talent and intelligence do not make us immune to doing harmful actions. And so to remain open, to listen, to remain humble instead of a lot of the arrogance that gets promoted and to be willing to check each other, not from a place of that you're trying to destroy someone, but we know that when anyone under the name of God is being harmed, it's destructive to the person and it's destructive to the faith and destructive to the community. And ultimately, it ends up destroying the person who was allowed to get away with it. More from my conversation with Dr. Tama after the break. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RCP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Wedding season is right around the corner. Perhaps your mailbox is already getting full of save the dates and your weekends are filling up quickly with celebrations for some of your favorite people. Or perhaps you're the one who's in full swing planning your big day. Let Macy's help you check off some of the things on your to-do list. They've got all the latest dresses, shoes, and jewelry you need to make a stunning appearance no matter the dress code or occasion. Whether it's a traditional ceremony in the town you grew up in or a beautiful destination wedding. And they've got you covered on gifts for the couple as well. So you can get everything you need for all of the celebrations in one place. Check out Macy's Wedding Shop to help you get celebration ready at macy's.com slash wedding shop. As we celebrate International Women's Day and all the strides we've made, let's also take a moment to reflect on something important, the future of our self-care. You see, for too long, we've compromised on things that matter most us but not anymore new conair girl bomb is helping us embrace a new era of self-care and self-love girl bomb represents a groundbreaking line of hair removal tools specifically designed for women from the smoothest shave to the most precise trim conair girl bomb is all about making you feel empowered confident and unapologetically you whether it's creating a hype playlist throwing yourself into a hobby or scheduling some me time self-care is so important with Conair Girl Bomb's ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, we're reclaiming our self care journey with precision and power, the kind we used to only get from men's tools. So head to Walgreens today and treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Because when you look good, you feel good, and there's nothing more empowering than that. Be love with every heartbeat and every piece of Pandora jewelry. Let love shine on your favorite bracelets, necklaces, earrings, and rings. Or create a style that's all your own with a unique mix of lovingly crafted charms. 
from big feelings to small messages and everything in between. Love is at the heart of it all. Be love. Shop Pandora Jewelry today. Find a store near you or shop online at Pandora.net. So you're in such a unique position, Dr. Tamer, being trained as both a psychologist and an ordained minister. And I know our training for psychology, there's lots of conversations around really being cognizant of the power that we Mm -hmm. have in working with people who are typically very vulnerable. Is there a similar kind of conversation as a part of training to become a minister? Like, what is that training like? So it varies by denomination. And I will say because of legal actions, there has been much more of a push to hold people accountable and hold churches accountable. I will say when I was going through seminary, the majority of the conversation, and you can think about being male-centered, was this whole languaging around men be careful because there are women members who will try to seduce you. Right. And that was like the whole frame. And I'm waiting for the part two to not (laughs) stop praying on these women. Right. Who come in with vulnerability, who come in hurting, who come in revering you because you're the only man they know who takes prayer seriously. And they have been taught that that is what is to be desired and to be wanted in someone. And, you know, there was no conversation about that. It was more be careful because people are going to want to set you up. And so it's like, who is teaching that message? Who is receiving that message? And what is being silenced in that space? Now, I know a lot more churches require training around sexual harassment, around child abuse, where now, you know, in a lot of churches, if you're going to do youth ministry, it requires some kind of background check. Whereas before, it was like anybody who volunteered could take the kids anywhere. Anybody was in a position of power could mistreat, abuse. And let me say the abusive behavior, because I think often people hear the sexual piece and believe that's rare or extreme. But I want to say, one, it's not rare. Two, there are less extreme versions of people misusing their power right? Knowing that if pastor asks you for it, that you're going to do it. Whether that is taking advantage of people's time, taking advantage of people's resources, asking them to do things that are harmful to their own health and well-being because they have to 24-7 be on call to be of service. And so it's not good modeling of ministry nor good care. People overworking their volunteers with no appreciation and with no really concern for their humanity or their family life, all of that is problematic. So we want to model, even from the pulpit, self-care. We want to model from the pulpit that relationship, friendship, family, respect, consent are all important. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like on the survivor side? So for those who may be surviving or, you know, realizing, okay, this is something that has happened to me and trying to put the pieces of their lives back together. We know, unfortunately, in a lot of cases of abuse, there's a lot of self like blame, Mm -hmm. right? Like I did something to find myself in this position. So what kinds of things would you say to people who maybe have been the victims of church hurt or abuse? Yeah, I will say, especially in our community, what's the community I know best, a lot of the self blame came from messages of victim blaming within our community. 
And so we want to be really careful about how we think about and talk about people who have been abused in these ways, because there are two different extremes that I hear. One is the idea that people are just quote unquote stupid, right? That, oh, you're weak or you're dumb or like, I would never have let them do that and da, 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 da. A real lack of compassion and a lack of sensitivity, which again is not healing. It's not liberating. And the other extreme is when people are just not believed. And I said, oh, you just, the term my grandmother used to use was church hopping, right? You just go from church to church. There's nothing wrong with that church. You just keep church hopping. Or they'll say, here's a big one. You just don't want to submit, right? This mm-hmm. language, especially when we think about like abuse and mistreatment, your people should be able to talk to you any kind of way, do any kind of thing. And if you're really a child of God, you will just submit and be loyal. So we want to really unpack that and look at what is the messaging there. It really mirrors when people tell you to stay in abusive relationships, right? Submit and stay and just pray to God. And so literally, she whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And God is very intentional about teaching that perfect love drives out fear. If I am living in fear of what is going to be said next or what is going to be done in this place, that's not love. And so for people who are in those churches now or have recently left, it's going to be important to give yourself compassion and to find compassionate community, right? People who will get it. And people with whom you can be honest, who are not going to be defensive or blaming or shaming. That might be a therapist. It may also be friends or family members. But as with other forms of trauma, I like to say share a piece of it and see how they react to that. Because some people we can't trust with the fullness of our story. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think that we see related to church hurt is people feeling very angry Mm -hmm. and rightfully so, right? Angry at the church, maybe angry at the pastor, but also angry at God, I think a lot, which you kind of alluded to. Can you talk about how to kind of really work through those Mm -hmm. kinds of feelings? Because I feel like people get really stuck in that kind of place and then feel maybe a little shameful or guilty that they're even having those Mm -hmm. feelings. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, a great question. The first part is that I like to say it's healthy to be outraged about outrageous things and some outrageous things have happened in the name of God or in the name of church, in the name of ministry. And that is outrageous, right? So if you are outraged about how you were handled or treated or how you saw other people handled or treated, that is a a healthy response. And yet, as you were naming, some people get stuck there, right? So... If time is passing, but you see no shifting in your emotional life, if the way you talk about it now sounds like it happened last week, but it was really seven years ago, right? then you're stuck. If it has now overshadowed everything else that you can't even recall anything, whether your experience there or at other places that kept you, right? Like, There are some reasons why you were there. There were some reasons why you sought it out to begin with. And as I heal and grow, I'm able to get a more complete picture, which allows me to also have grace for myself, right? What did I 
gain in that space and what did I lose in that space so that we can have some perspective taking. And in terms of the anger and the outrage, there is something called constructive anger versus destructive anger. So constructive anger can motivate me to try to either prevent this from happening to someone else or to create new spaces, right? Some people who have come out of those harmful places have started their own ministries, have said, we're going to have a Bible study at my house and none of that kind of behavior is going to be acceptable. Or I want to support ministries that are doing that kind of work. Or I want to raise awareness, like you were asking in the beginning, what are the warning signs? And so I am using my outrage to try to create something better versus a destructive anger. It leaves me in a place where I feel perpetually stuck, overwhelmed, distraught. Meanwhile, the people who did it have moved on with their lives, are doing what they're doing, and my life is at a standstill, and my faith formation and my spirituality also feels stuck and poisoned, right? That I have disconnected actually from God. And so it will be important for me to seek out spiritual practices that are nourishing for me. And that may be some old things that you used to do that you lost sight of, or maybe some new things that you've never tried before. And so connecting with God and nature, that when I'm going out hiking, and I feel the presence of God, and it's not so heavy for me because I don't have to deal with all the different personalities. Or I want to go back to the old hymns that I used to hear my grandmother playing. When I play those, I feel God. Some of us in our activism and in our service that, you know, what I really appreciated about it was the things we used to do for community. So if I could get involved with that, I could feel like I'm reconnected or retapped in. So refresh your spirituality so that the anger is not the only emotion present. Thank you for that, Dr. Tama. So you rightfully named this as a trauma, right? Which I don't think has always been the case in mm -hmm. the field, right? Like, I don't think that always we would have labeled this as a trauma, but I'm glad to see that we are at the place where we are now. So what kinds of things do you think that therapists and other mental health professionals really need to know to be able to support people who are survivors of church hurt and abuse? So one is even asking the question, and most of our intakes, not only do we not ask about church hurt, we just don't ask about people's faith at all. And it's really remarkable given that we ask all kinds of things about people's business, right? We want to know all your relationship <laughs> history. We want to know what substances you use. We want to know your work history. We want to know your dating life. We want to know your health status. We want to know all of these things. And research shows that the general public endorses higher spirituality and religiosity than mental health professionals on average. So then you largely have people who don't consider faith to be central, providing services for people for whom it is central, a central part of their identity, a central part of their meaning making, a central part of their values or coping. And so to work with someone for months or even years and have no idea about their spirituality or religion, you don't actually know this person. Right. You know, their symptoms that you asked about, but that's it. And so I would say even before we get to the harmful experiences, asking even in the intake process about people's faith or spirituality, what nourishes them spiritually, even if they're not a part of an organized religion and 
kind of what that journey has been, meaning is the way they practice or don't practice now, has that been throughout their life or what changed over time and what brought about those changes? Because some people will say, well, I used to be religious, but now I'm spiritual. Well, that's a flag. There's a story there, right? Whenever I used to do something and I have shifted, there's a reason. And so it will also be important, I'll say, for mental health professionals to check themselves because we often fall on one or two extremes. So there are religious mental health professionals who only see it as wonderful and good and a great resource and can get defensive or non-believing when people are sharing their pain about those places. And so then we're not really hearing the pain. We're too busy defending the institution. Or on the other side, we have people who have totally rejected church and any other religion and believe that it's only a place of control, fear, and shame. And so if someone shares they had a hurtful experience, we're quick to jump on the bandwagon of, yes, that's why you need to leave all those places alone. And those places are this and are that. And so as a mental health professional, ethically, it's important for me to hold both truths, that church and other religious sites have been places of healing and harm, that they have been places that have advocated for liberation and places that advocated for bondage, and that different people have different experiences, and sometimes the same person can have different experiences at different stages of their life. And so it's not for me to interpret or to dictate what people's experiences is for me to create a safe environment where you can share your story and get to the root of what is true for you and what will ultimately nourish you and heal you. Mm-hmm. More from my conversation with Dr. Tama after the break. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RCP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. You never know who's following in the footsteps of great women in science, like Katherine Johnson, Mae Jemison, and Dr. Kizzy Corbett. So Macy's is proud to join Girls, Inc. to empower a new generation of leaders now during Women's History Month. Throughout March, you can help fund STEM and college and career readiness programming for girls when you donate online to Girls, Inc. or round up your purchase. And don't forget to shop women-owned and founded brands like Kaylee Cosmetics, New Face, and Better Not Younger. Learn more and celebrate the creative power of women now and all year round at Macy's.com slash purpose. As we celebrate International Women's Day and all the strides we've made, let's also take a moment to reflect on something important, the future of our self-care. You see, for too long, we've compromised on things that matter most, us. But not anymore. New Conair Girl Bomb is helping us embrace a new era of self-care and self-love. 
Girl Bomb represents a groundbreaking line of hair removal tools specifically designed for women. From the smoothest shave to the most precise trim, Conair Girl Bomb is all about making you feel empowered, confident, and unapologetically you. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self care is so important. With Conair Girl Bomb's ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, we're reclaiming our self care journey with precision and power. The kind we used to only get from men's tools. So head to Walgreens today and treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Because when you look good, you feel good. And there's nothing more empowering than that. Be love with every heartbeat and every piece of Pandora jewelry. Let love shine on your favorite bracelets, necklaces, earrings, and rings. Or create a style that's all your own with a unique mix of lovingly crafted charms. From big feelings to small messages and everything in between, love is at the heart of it all. Be love. Shop Pandora Jewelry today. Find a store near you or shop online at Pandora.net. I've been really encouraged to see more, you know, like mental health ministries in churches. And can you talk a little bit about why it's important for Mm. spirituality and like psychologists and other therapists and mental health professionals to be in alignment, to have some of that kind of operating in the similar spaces? That's right. It's so important. And I'm grateful to be able to lead our mental health ministry at First AME Church in Los Angeles. And it pushes back against the false choice that people need to either have faith or go to therapy, right? So there's a common saying and t-shirts and mugs that you can pray and go to therapy. You can love Jesus and love your therapy, right? So us working in collaboration and communication is for the betterment of the community, right? Both faith leaders and mental health professionals should never make people feel like they can only have one right? That you can either have your church family or you can have your therapist. No, we we need the collective. And, you know, what I like to say for pastors is the importance of becoming comfortable making referrals. I've been through, as I said, seminary, and there was one semester, as you would say, on pastoral counseling. And the majority of that semester was spent on bereavement and grief, which is important. And every pastor will have to do funerals and help people with grief. But there was no conversation or lecture on bipolar disorder, on addiction, on suicidality, on abusive relationships. And so then to say that this untrained person, an uninformed person, because they love God, is now in a position to take care of all of your mental health needs, it's not fair. It's not fair to the members, and it's also not fair to that minister who is not prepared. And so there is nothing shameful about making a referral while you will still provide the pastoral support to also encourage people to get help from professionals who are trained to address the issues. And I will say for mental health professionals to really respect what a community of faith can give is most of us provide sessions for one hour once a week or every other week. If you're a part of an active faith community, Often those are people who can be with you throughout the week, multiple times a week, may stay on the phone for you for hours, may meet up with you, may come to your hospital room, come to your wedding, you know, all of it's a community. And so to assume 
that me meeting with you once a week or every other week is going to take the place of that is ignorant. So we work better together. So there has been a beautiful thread, even in this conversation, which I'm not surprised about, given who you are, Dr. Tamer, but of reconnecting with yourself, right? Of reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with God and your entire platform. You have a book and a podcast called Homecoming, which I think is very fitting. Can you talk with us a little bit about the book and why that title? So the full title is Homecoming, Overcome Fear and Trauma to Reclaim Your Whole Authentic Self. And the reality is that fear and trauma, including church hurt, disconnect us from ourselves. They cause us to forget who we are. We can feel devalued and it makes sense. We often, if you're mistreated, you start to question or doubt yourself. You can, it can cause you to feel insecure. You can lose sight of your own voice and then you're just wondering what other people think, right? Or other people want from you. And so, we can start performing, right? Or pretending or trying to present in a certain way. And so to heal is to come back to truth, to tell myself the truth, to live in truth. And that is when I'm most empowered. Whenever I'm having to pretend or be fake, I am outside of myself and I am outside of my power and my purpose. And so the invitation is always there for us to reconnect to the truth of who we are. And I like to say for those who grew up with childhood trauma, you can come home to yourself even if that's for the first time. Maybe you've never felt at home within yourself, right? You've always felt anxious or stressed or insecure or doubting, or you have numbed yourself, right? Numbed yourself with substances, numbed yourself with spiritualizing things that are not spiritual, numbed yourself with gossip, numbed yourself on these phones that are addictive. And so I want to come home to the truth of who I am. So one of the first homeworks I give in the book is to think about a practice or an activity that when you do it, you feel like you. And maybe you haven't done it in a while because you've been busy or for whatever reason, and to make a commitment this week to reviving that activity. So like for me, it's dancing. I love to dance. I love it. I love it. When I'm dancing, I feel mind, body, heart, spirit is all connected, culturally connected, my spirituality connected. And yet sometimes I don't dance. So then I have to like go back to that. And that brings me back to myself. So definitely go out and grab a copy of Homecoming for more exercises like this and beautiful, just beautiful words about how to reconnect with yourself is really important. Thank you. So where can we stay connected with you, Dr. Tamer? What is your website as well as any social media handles you'd like to share? So my website is Dr. Tamer and that's spelled D-R-T-H-E-M-A dot com. I'm Dr. Tamer on Twitter, Dr. Tamer on TikTok as of this year. And all right, trying to try new things. I'm out there. And then on Instagram, it's Dr. Tama, but it has a period on Instagram. So DR period Tama. And then the podcast is on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud and iTunes. And then we can find information about the book on your website. Yes, absolutely. And the book is available at all major bookstores. And I'm so blessed that they allowed me to do an audible version. And so I know some folks are like, we don't want to read the 200 pages. Okay, you can listen. (laughs) 
we'll be sure to include all of that in our show notes. Thank you so much, Dr. Tamer, for sharing with us. Thank today. you for having me. I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad Dr. Tamer was able to join us for this episode. To learn more about the work she's doing or to do more research on this topic, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 298. And don't forget to text two of your girls right now to tell them to check out the episode. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the sister circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. This episode was produced by Frida Lucas and Elise Ellis, and editing was done by Dennison Bradford. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Hey, debit card users, listen up. Discover has something especially for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can start earning cash back on everyday debit card purchases. You heard that right. Cash back on debit purchases because cash back isn't just for credit cards. It's time you also get some love. Oh, and I should also mention that this has no fees. Period. Finally, the game-changing checking account you deserve. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girlbomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you. And treat yourself to some Conair Girlbomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.